make sure that you're ready for the end of service when we when we take that. Um, last week we started a series called Next is Now, and Next is Now basically is a journey. We're kind of walking through um, uh, just kind of a, a, a survey of the book of uh, Joshua, um, just kind of uh, hitting some of the highlight points. And um, we talked about last week this first chapter of Joshua uh, where Moses has died and now Joshua is given this great big task of leading. I, I say that the children of Israel, I say uh, the nation of Israel, they're not even really a nation at this point. Um, they are a people who have been wandering through uh, the desert and so uh, God has, has called them to be his people, to be a nation, a holy nation, and he's bringing them into the promised land. And so they're kind of on the precipice of uh, making this, this step into the promised land. And this is kind of where we're picking up on the story today. But we talked about last week when we said that next is now. This is, this is kind of the premise that we worked off of. We started with the premise that what happens next is determined by what you do now. What happens next is determined by the decisions you make now, that the decisions you make today will create um, create your reality, uh, tomorrow's reality, right? And so um, that's important. So next is really what is now. And so we're going to go to Joshua chapter 5, and while you're turning there, my kids, they're always asking questions. Anybody your kids ask questions? They ask you a lot of questions. You know, and sometimes you just say, oh, please, just go ask your mom or go ask your dad or just go ask the neighbor across the street. You know, I don't know. You know, um, Google it. Um, that's that's kind of what I tell my, my kids. And have you ever heard someone say there's no such thing as a dumb question? It's only the questions that haven't been asked. You know, uh, maybe somebody's told you that. I don't know that I necessarily believe that because um, I have been asked some questions. I'm like, oh, yeah, and I probably asked some questions, definitely. Like, yeah, that was kind of dumb, wasn't it, you know? Um, but I, I, I want to talk a little bit about that this morning and just talk about um, asking better questions uh, and more specifically asking a better question, uh, one in, in particular. But before we get there, there was a guy who... Um, it was a comedian in the 80s. Actually, I guess he's still alive. He's still a comedian today. Um, I don't think, but but you may know him by the name of Stephen Wright. Anybody ever heard of Stephen Wright as a comedian? You know, a couple of us, you know. Stephen Wright has this dry sense of humor, and uh, he had some of these questions that, <laughs> just to be honest, like, they, they might be somewhat dumb. It might come across that way. And I, but I want to I share uh, I want to share that with you this morning, so you're welcome, all right? Um, and you can laugh or you can groan, all right? So let me hear your best groan. Ugh. So, you know, that just give me your best groan. You know, if you think it's funny, hey, that's all right, chuckle at it. If not, you can give me your, that's kind of what my kids do. I tell them a dad joke, and they're like, Ugh. But on the inside, I know you're laughing. I do. I do. Um, but here we go. These are some of the questions that Stephen Wright asked, and he said this. He said, if you were in a vehicle and you were traveling at the speed of light and then turned on your lights, would anything happen? All right, so the next question is this. <laughs> that was a good groan. So what is the speed of dark? If there's a speed of light, is there a speed of dark? If you park in a circular drive, how do you get out? <laughs> okay, I know, guys, it's bad. 
you're on this journey with me, though. We're in it. We're not backing up. All right. So if you were, look, this is his joke now. If you were going to shoot a mime, would you use a silencer? <laughs> his joke, not mine. If your foot falls asleep in the middle of the day, does, it, does that mean it's going to be up all night long? Can birds be tickled with feathers? That's a good one. I thought about it. I was like, I don't, I don't know. That's, how can you tell if you're, in, if, if you're out of invisible ink? How do you know? This is my favorite, probably all of them. I know this has been bad. Um, what's another word for thesaurus? Right? Right? That's what a thesaurus is. It just gives you words for things and there's no other word for the source. So today I want to talk to you about asking a better question because these were really bad questions, really bad way to start. But I think we can ask a better question with what we find in Joshua. Joshua chapter 5, beginning of verse 13, is where I want us to go this morning. If you got your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Joshua chapter 5, beginning of verse 13. This is where we pick up, and it says, And when Joshua was by Jericho, now you got let me set this up. Moses is dead. Um, and that's huge, right? Because Moses is a really big figure. Um, you know, he's, he's wrote the first five books of the Bible. Uh, he's a huge figure in the Bible itself. And so that's how Joshua, the book of Joshua starts out. Now Moses, my servant, is dead. Um, and he's calling Joshua now to step up. He's calling Joshua now to be the one who steps in and takes um, Moses' place and we see in just the first four chapters, God performs a miracle. Um, it's almost kind of a, a, a re, uh, recapitulation of a miracle that he did before when he brought the children of Israel to the Red Sea. And what did he do? He made the sea split, right, so they could walk right through it, okay? Um, here we find that he brings them to the Jordan River. And they've got to cross the Jordan River. And on the other side of the Jordan River is what he's saying, hey, the promised land is over there. I want you to go into the promised land. I want you to conquer that land in every place where the uh, sole of your foot touches. It's going to be yours. That sounds like a great big promise. He, but they have to do something to attain that. They have to be part of the uh, progress of that promise. And so... Um, we see where God brings them to the Jordan River, and the um, they take the ark and or the the, the priest step into the uh, river, and as they step into the river, that it piles up, right? Um, that this 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 river just splits. Basically, once again, he's he's redoing this miracle that we've done at the Red Sea. We see this happening again. He he splits the Jordan River and allows them to cross this river. Um, as get to the other side to, to the promised land as, and start this kind of this, this journey of, of taking this promise. And so they're marching on Jericho. And if you remember the story of Jericho, Jericho is a fortified city, great big walls. Uh, they didn't think that they could be conquered because their walls seemed impenetrable. And uh, so Joshua has taken these fighting men and they are marching towards Jericho. And there's going to be this conflict with Jericho. And that's kind of where we pick up the story. And this is where Joshua kind of goes out and he does his own spying out of the land. He's, he's already been a spy um, to go in, but now he's kind of reconning uh, this, this place, Jericho, and he's, he's wanting to get the lay of the land. And this is where we pick the story up in verse 13. It says, And when Joshua was by Jericho, 
he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. So there's a guy, and there's a big hulk of a guy with a sword drawn in his hand, and uh, he's got, this brings questions to Joshua's mind. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Are you on our side or their side? Are you my friend or are you my foe? He's, he's asking questions, which is a great question to ask, right? If, if you're standing in front of someone with a sword, you kind of want to know what are your intentions. And this guy responds, and this is what he says, and he said, no. It's not quite what I ask, right? It's, it's like, are you on their side or are you on my side? No. No to what? What does that even mean? He just says, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. That's his answer. And I think that answer is packed full um, for us to kind of pull out today. He says, now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth. And I love Joshua, Joshua's response here. Uh, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? What do you say? What, what do you want from me? You know. And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. This was a big moment for Joshua because you got to think Joshua is, has been tasked with taking, um, you know, about three million people from the land of Egypt or from, from this wandering place in the desert and take them into the promised land. Um, Moses has brought them out of Egypt. Moses has been this big figure. Um, Joshua has been second in command, but now it's Joshua's turn. And if you remember, this sounds familiar. It's like, I feel like this happened before. I feel like God said this and did this before. This happened with Moses, right? When, when Moses was wandering around, before he was leading people out of Egypt, um, God came and met him in a burning bush. And this bush was not consumed. This bush was not burned up. And it says that in, 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 in the Bible that Moses looked and it says, I'll turn aside to see what this great sight is. That's a little bit underwhelming the way that it says that. I'd have been like, I've been freaking out. Like, why is this bush burning and it's not burning up? You know, because that would have been an amazing sight. But we have the same thing happen to Moses that, that happens right here with Joshua. Because God tells Moses, he says, take your shoes off. This is the place where you're standing. It's holy ground. And he does the same thing to Joshua here. He says, Joshua, take your sandals off because the place where you're standing is holy ground. And it's almost kind of like he's telling Joshua, hey, listen, Joshua, I'm picking you. Just like I met Moses and I was with Moses and I equipped Moses for the task and I, and, and I gave Moses what he needed and I, I journeyed with him, I'm going to do the same for you. I'm going to give you what you need for the journey. I'm going to task you or, or give you what you need for the task that I'm calling you to. I'm going to give you strength. And we've already seen where the word of the Lord came to Joshua in chapter 1 where he says, Only be strong and courageous. Be brave. Be bold you know, and courageous. And so he calls him not to be fearful. And so we're picking up here on the story. But this question that, that he asked is it's a normal question that we would want to know. If me and you were in the same boat, if we were faced with some person that, you know, had a sword that is standing in front of us, it's like, hey, how you doing? You'd be like, are you a friend of mine? 
or are we enemies? I want to know this so just so I know, you know, are, are you going to help me out or do I need to run away? Um, but that's not how the commander of the Lord's armies answers. He basically just says, no, neither. I am neither. I'm not on your side and I'm not on their side. Now, isn't that a great way to answer it? Isn't that, that's probably not what Joshua was looking for when he was looking for an answer. You know, he was, he was probably looking for a little, something a little bit more straightforward. He says, I'm not on your side and I'm not on their side. Now, it wasn't that Joshua was tasked with doing anything that God didn't want him to do. Actually, God had said, I want you to go into the land. I want you guys to drive out the inhabitants that are, that are there in every place the sole of your foot touches. It's going to be yours. I'm going to give that to you. And so what Joshua is doing is what God has wanted him to do. But I think what we gain from this, and this is how it hit me, um, and, and listen, I'm your pastor, and, and this morning I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about two things they say you're not supposed to talk about. They say you're not supposed to talk about religion, and you're not supposed to talk about, there we go, politics. And so we're going to wade into both this morning and just really make everybody upset and angry and mad, okay? All right. He said this, he says, I'm not on your side, and I'm not on their side. He said, I'm, I'm on my own side. He said, I, I'm neither. I'm, on, I'm the commander of God's army. That's actually how he answers it. He says, I'm not on your side, I'm not on their side. I'm the commander of God's army. I'm on God's side. So what does that mean? It means that sometimes that we want to co-opt God and make God put a rubber stamp on what we're doing. We want God to bless our cause. We don't get, and this is, this is the observation that I took away from this, we don't get to claim God's allegiance for our cause no matter how right we think we are. We don't get to claim that. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, even though what you're doing is, is, is the right, you're making the right steps, it's not about me being on your side. It's not about me being on your side. It's actually I'm asking you, are you going to be on God's side? And that's what Joshua's response is because he bows down and after he, he, he gets the answer he wasn't really expecting, he bows down and he says, whoa, he said, I'm your servant. What do you want from me? Whatever you want from me, that's what I want to do. Whatever you want me to be, God, that's what I want to be. And so I think there's something important for us. We're going through um, an election season right now, right? I mean, next week, if you haven't already voted, you're going to go vote, right? Some of you uh, have already voted, and, and you're part of that process, and that's good. That's a good thing. You should be part of that process. I, I'm not telling you not to be part of that process, but what I think there is something for us as people of God, people who say we believe in Jesus. How many of you guys, you believe in Jesus? You would say, I follow Jesus, right? And that's it. It's not, we're not asking God to follow us. It's, he's asking us to follow him. It's kind of that, the, the inverse, it's like, well, I, I don't get it. Are you on my side or their side? No, 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 I'm not here to follow you. I'm asking you, are you here to follow me? That's, that's what God wants from us. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to follow his heart. And not only follow his heart, but reflect his heart. And so we've got to be careful because during this time, we can get sucked in. You know what I'm saying? We can get pulled in and we can become people that we never intended to be. We can act in ways we never intended to act. Or maybe what's worse is maybe we did intend to act that way because we wanted to prove our point. It's like, boom, I told them. Have you ever felt that way? You ever just wanted to tell somebody what you really thought? 
Come on, some of y'all, y'all already got your hands in your pockets. Like, I am not admitting to that. I know you do, right? Because I do. There have been plenty of times I thought I really want to just give them the peace of my mind, you know? And what I realize is I don't have much mind to give them, right? <laughs> There's not a lot up here, you know? Uh, and, and, so, and so we've got to be careful. If we're people who believe in Jesus and we're saying, we follow you, Lord Jesus, and we want to reflect you, not only follow you, but reflect you in everything that we do. We have to be careful during this time uh, of election that we don't get sucked in and become people he never intended for us to be. And so this is that question where Joshua says, are you on my side or their side? And he's like, I'm on neither side. I love, um, I love the statement that Tony Evans, anybody know Tony Evans? Tony Evans is a pastor out in Texas, and I, I just I love the statement that Tony Evans makes. He, he said, Jesus is about this. He says, Jesus didn't come to take sides. Jesus came to take over. Jesus didn't come to take sides. Jesus came to take over. And I believe that. I, 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 I totally believe that, that it's not about us saying, is, it, is Jesus a Republican or a Democrat? Is Jesus a Libertarian? Is Jesus part of the Green Party? You know, is, 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 what, what side is Jesus on? He's like, none of those. I'm on none of those sides. doesn't mean that you're bad if you're, you're one of those sides. It just means I'm on none of those sides. And honestly, uh, I'm not come to follow any of those sides. I've not come to, to stake my claim on any of those sides. I've come to stake another claim. And, and that's what we have to be careful with, that during this time that we don't become something that God ever intended us or become people that God never intended us not to be. Sometimes we are more concerned with getting God's stamp of approval on our pursuits than we are about getting, uh, than we are about pursuing what's in line with God. That's, that's, that's the problem. Sometimes we want God to put a stamp on our pursuits. Well, God, this is, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This. And God's saying, I want you to be in line with my pursuit. Are you pursuing me? Are you pursuing me? And so we know this. We know that our nation is deeply divided, right? Anybody, you, you see that? That there's a, there's a great divide in our country. There's a great divide even, even across the world. Um, and this is something that I wrote down. is just political rhetoric often turns into personal resentment. Political rhetoric often turns into personal resentment. Where if someone disagrees with what I believe, we don't just disagree. We, we begin to demonize that other person. We have to begin to dishonor them and devalue them. And it's no longer about the argument that they're making. It begins to become a personal nature. And we've got to be careful with that. Because who did Jesus die for? Jesus only died for Republicans, right? Man, it's quiet in here. I know, I know, you know. Jesus didn't just die for Republicans. He didn't just die for Democrats. He didn't just die for those who, who would vote one way or another. Jesus died for everyone. And so if I know that, if I see that, uh, and, and I believe that, I've got to believe that I can't dishonor someone even if I don't like the way they vote. Even if I say, you know what, I just I disagree there. We can disagree and still not dishonor one another. But see, that's where our world's at right now is we've come to a place where we disagree and we have to dishonor one another. We disagree and I have to devalue you because if I devalue you, that devalues your argument. And really that's what I want to do is I just want to win the argument at the end of the day. See, you can win the argument and lose the relationship. If you're married, you know that. Come on. If you're married, you know that. 
right? You can win the argument and lose the relationship because it's like, boom, I showed her. It's like, why am I sleeping on the couch for a month, right? Because more than the argument, the relationship is what you're called to. And as Jesus people and Jesus followers, we're called to relationship. We're first called to relationship with Jesus. We're first called to a vertical relationship, but I cannot have a vertical relationship with my father unless my horizontal relationship is right with you. And so this, this goes both ways. We have to make sure that when we come to this, this place and we're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, even if I disagree with you, I cannot dishonor you. A divided nation needs a united church. A divided nation desperately needs the church to be united, to present a different face, to, to bring about a different way. So my question is this, is what is your first allegiance? What is that first allegiance for us? John 18, 36, this is what Jesus said. John 18, 36, he's, and Jesus answered, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. And sometimes we still fight, right? And we realize we're fighting over the wrong things. And he's like, remember when he had to stop Simon Peter in the garden? He's like, stop. This is not how we're going to, even though they're coming to arrest me, this is not how we're going to conduct business. And, and so he says, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered into the hand into, over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. We can find in Philippians 3 and 20. I love this. This is what Paul writes. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Come on, somebody. Anybody, that's where your true citizenship lies? Our citizenship is in heaven. From it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we've got to put it in perspective. It doesn't mean we just become people who say, well, I'm not going to vote because that's not, that's not what I'm, I don't believe that's what God calls us to. I believe we, we have to engage our culture without um, being enamored with the culture. You know, I think we have to uh, be engaged in, in the business of voting and, and doing that and having an opinion. How many knows you can have an opinion? And many of you walked in here with an opinion this morning, I promise you, right? You've got an opinion, and it's okay. You can have an opinion. But how you go about throwing that opinion out there, I think that's where we have to begin to draw lines and make distinctions. God, what does this need to look like? See, I'm not here to win you to my argument, and I'm not here to manipulate your vote, and I'm not here to make you a Democrat, a Republican, a Libertarian, or any other political persuasion. What we are here for is this. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and to engage them in the life and the mission of the church. That's why we're here, guys. See, this is, I'm not pointing my finger at you because I'm as susceptible to this as you are. The reason I, I'm talking about this is because I'm just as susceptible, maybe even more susceptible than you are. Because I watch the news and I read social media and it gets me spun up. You know, and I get spun up. And I'm, oh, just, I'm just ready to fight with everybody, right? Anybody you're like that? Or is that just me? You know, I, I mean, I read stuff and, and I watch the news. I'm just spun up. I'm ready to fight with everybody. And what I've got to realize is this. Man, God, that's not who you called me to be. This is not who you've called me to be. You've called me to be the, pe the person who leads people into a growing relationship with you, whether they're on this side or whether they're on that side, because you died for all the sides. You died for everyone. So I can have an opinion, and I can disagree, 
and I can be loyal to my country. I can vote, and I can engage in my civic duties without being consumed by political division. I can. I can do that. I can do that, and you can do that. And we should be that people that are engaged and not step out and just say, hey, we're just going to leave that. No, no, no. We're here. God wants us to be salt and light in the world. But how do we do that? How do we go about that? And that may be with a different tone. That may be changing. You know, that may be turning off the TV, right? And I'm going to say, okay, God, let me. And I do. I, I do a devotion every morning. And so, you know, it's in my reading that sometimes I'm just convicted in my heart. And, and I, we have to read the entire book, not just the parts that we like, right? There are parts that we love. We love parts of this Bible because we will put it on print and we'll put it on pictures, hang it on our wall, put it on the mantle, you know, put it on the coffee table. Man, we'll have it all over the place. We love those scriptures, you know. But it's those scriptures where it talks about love one another. Well, you really mean one another? Is that, that, does, that, does that mean those people that don't vote like us? That absolutely means those people that vote, don't vote like us. Loving is one of the deepest and hardest things that we can do. How many people do you have in your life that they're just sometimes difficult to love? Have you ever looked in the mirror? Sometimes you're difficult to love too. You're that person, right? We are those people. I cannot dishonor the people Jesus died for and honor him at the same time. I'm going to ask Pastor Trent to come play. There's a pastor um, by the name of Kerry Newhoff, and um, he wrote this. I think this was in a blog, um, on a blog that he wrote, and I, I just loved it so much I want to share it with you. And this is what Kerry Newhoff said. He said, hope counters hate better than hate counters hate. Hope counters hate better than hate counters hate. And hope is what the church at its best offers not hope in a candidate not hope in a political party hope in Christ someone someone in the world who also transcends the world if you echo the culture you just get more culture and that's the truth guys we are not here to echo and parrot what culture gives us we're here to be salt and light in the culture we are here to challenge that culture. We are here to present a different face in the light of hate and division in our culture. And sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes that's the push up against you. Sometimes that is where you have to intentionally say, I am not going to let my, um, my emotions get the best of me today. Today I'm going to choose to reflect Jesus in my speech, in my tone. Today I'm going to choose to reflect Jesus in my response. And some of you guys, you know what? You've had people just act ugly toward you. And you know how difficult that can be when somebody is ugly and divisive and combative. But I want to take my cues from Jesus and not political parties. I want us to be a church that we take our cues from Jesus and not a political system. Political systems didn't die for us. Presidents didn't die for us. Kings didn't die for us. There was only one that died for us. His name was Jesus. He's the only one that can save us. That is the one I want to put my focus on. That is what Hebrews says in Hebrews where it talks about focus your attention on me. Put your faith in me. He says, I am the author and the perfecter of your faith, not the presidents, not governments. And so this morning when we come, this is a simple reminder to God's people. That's us. 
This is a simple reminder to us. We are going to be engaged in this life, in this world. We're going to be engaged, but we're not going to be consumed by it. Don't let yourself be consumed by the rhetoric. Don't let yourself be consumed by, by all the divisions. There is another way, I think, that Jesus shows us. That's what I choose. That's what I choose. God, help me choose. And that might be your prayer. That might be the prayer you get up in the morning when you go to work and you know that all those people who disagree with you, who want to have those conversations with you at very elevated tones of conversation, right? That today I'm going to respond in a different way. Today I'm going to respond with the likeness and grace and the mercy and the courage to live that out in front of my coworkers and live that out in front of my family and live that out in front of my neighbors. What does that look like for you? I want you to stand with me. Just to preach because that's not the ones where people just say, Yeah, amen, Pastor, you know, because it's just like uh, it hurts, right? And so I'm sorry, but I'm not really sorry because we kind of need it. Um, you know, come back next week, we'll, we'll, we'll preach you happy, maybe. Um, but today we need this. Guys, if, if we seriously say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I have to take everything that is in this book, I have to take it seriously. I have to take it seriously the way that I treat people around so if I'm going to take those one another's seriously, it's, it's even the one another's who, oh man, they rub me the wrong way, and I don't like them. I don't, I don't, what does that look like for you? Heads bowed this morning. Father, today, we're coming in, and we're getting ready to take you in just a second, so Lord, we come, and we're praying a prayer of self-examination. This morning, we're praying prayers of not only self-examination, show us what's inside of us. Because if something came out of us, it, it came out of us because that's what was in there. If there's attitudes that we've had, that's, that's what came out of us because that was what was in us. If there are things, Lord, that we've seen and, and conversations and ways that we've talked to each other, God, forgive us. We repent. We want to be the church, the church that you've called, the church that you died for, the church that you've commissioned to go walk this thing out in a world that needs it. Help us to show a different way. Help us to show a different conversation. Help us to show a different attitude. Help us to be the people who take your words seriously and live them out in a serious way because this world is dark and dying and it needs it. This divided world needs a church that is united. So, Lord, let us take the mission seriously. As we engage in this culture, I pray that we're not consumed by it. I pray that what consumes us is your love, it's your word, it's you sanctify us through your word. That your Holy Spirit um, makes us people who are strong to be able to stand and, and sometimes stand in the face of, of difficult conversations and stand up for things that may not be popular. Help us to be those people. So we thank you for this time. But Lord, there may be some things that we need to repent of right now. There may be attitudes and conversations that we just need to repent of how we've conducted ourselves. So Lord, today we just come and we present our hearts and minds one more time. We lay it down. Just like Joshua did. Joshua laid himself down and surrendered and said, God, what do you want from me? 
So that's the question we come to today. That's really what we want to answer. God, what do you want from me today? That's what we want to do. That's the question we want to ask. God, what do you want me to look like? What do you want me to sound like? Whatever you want from me, God, that's what I want. So we come today and we bring our life. We bring our votes. We bring our mindsets and our wills. And Lord, we make them obedient to you. Help us to reflect your heart. Help us to reflect your heart in those around us. Even as we get ready, maybe it's this week we go and we're going to that voting booth. and Help us to reflect your heart and how we cast our votes in the ballot. That we can reflect you in this world and through this world. Father, we just let people see you. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name.